According to Barna, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kelly. Thank you. All right. I I need to ask you, okay, this whole thing, we've been in this for what, three months now? Too long. Um, Too long. And this whole COVID crisis and isolation. And talk to me, how are are you doing, really? Uh, I have my days. So some days I'm really good at grade five math in helping uh, homeschool my kids. And other days um, I have to find new ways to innovate my creativity. So you can only clean the house so much. You can only do so much yard work. Uh, But uh, then you resort to going back to your devices and screens, and uh, I get bored of the screen really quick. And so I'm constantly having to re-innovate where my passions are. And it's really actually a reflective time for me. So I'm, I'm gaining at the same time being constrained to my home. Yeah, it's it's true. There's there's things that, yeah, they're frustrating this whole thing, but there's mm-hmm. also like taking a look at your entire schedule and going, hey, I can eliminate some of this stuff. Yes. Recreate yeah. myself in this way. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's There's times, yeah, there's it's, days where like... It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it, it's weird. It's good. And it's not. So yes. it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely uh, weird. Well, I hope all of you are doing okay and going through this whole thing. And I know that there's changes happening all around us. Some churches are opening up and, uh, you know, different places are and some aren't. And it's just, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And we're mm-hmm. lots of conversations, lots of things we need to talk about. Well, today on this episode, I've got a conversation with an amazing pastor, yeah. Pastor Tim Lucas, who pastors Liquid Church in New Jersey. And and uh, Liquid Church just exploded. Yes. It started out of, uh, you know, a young adults kind of group, youth group that that exploded into its own church. And it is making a huge impact. And in fact, Pastor Tim's book, Liquid Church, is probably one of the best books I've read on the local church in... I don't know, years, maybe since Purpose Driven Church. Mm -hmm. It's that amazing. It's really good. Highly recommend his book. Um, And so I can't wait to get to this conversation. He talks a lot about finding needs in the community, meeting those needs, and taking the church outside of the four walls. And and even you know even though we can't meet in some of the four walls, but but really finding specific needs in the community, meeting those needs, and being active as a church. You're going to love this conversation. So let's go to it now. This is Pastor Tim Lucas of Liquid Church. Hey, Tim, welcome to GoCast. It's so good to see you, my friend. Awesome to be with you, Kelly. What a treat, man. My brother from the north. Yeah, this is we look so looking forward. You can't say that to everybody, can you? <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> it's so good to have you on on the program, man. I got to say, your book. I can't wait to dive into it. It's been it, one of the best reads I've I've read in a long time, and can't wait to dive into that. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in ministry. Sure. So I serve um, as lead pastor of Liquid Church, which is a multi-site church right outside of New York City. Um, we have seven campuses, uh, kind of ringing the Manhattan area. So yeah. if you think of like Times Square, we're about between 15, 20 miles uh, from there. Um, so we started the church on accident. <laughs> yeah. I like to say I kind of got tricked into it. God just, you know, he kind of hoodwinked me uh, in a <laughs> wonderful way. It's just it's been the adventure of our lives. Uh, you know, my wife and I started it just by volunteering, teaching a 
you know, Sunday school class for 20 somethings in the mildewy basement of a Baptist church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been on a bit of a rocket ship ride, you know, it's grown to about 5,000 people and uh, a lot of millennials and Gen Z. So for us, it's really exciting because growing up in the, the Northeast, it's kind of a post-Christian culture. And that's why the church is called liquid. You know, it's yeah. a very spiritually dry region, um, very much probably like Canada in many yeah. ways. Um, and we're like, but you know what? People are thirsty for the gospel, um, but we need new wineskins to pour it through. And so that's really the, where the name Liquid Church came from. You know, people hear liquid. I think, you know, they assume we're a cult uh, <laughs> or a drinking fraternity. I've heard all those things, but uh, we named it very, you know, liquid for a simple reason. Jesus calls himself the living water. Yes. And we really believe church should be refreshing. Yeah, so good. I Man, I really connected with you and, and your background as you told it in, in the book. I grew up in a very similar uh, church as the one that you grew up in. And my wife comes from a similar background, as you explained your wife uh, coming from. So, man, I felt immediately that we connected in that level. And I felt the tension, you know, between con the conservative background, the conservative style churches and the charismatic style, you know, ministries and and, man, and finding that balance. So talk to me about that tension and about how you have connected the strengths of, of both, both approaches to build the type of church that Liquid Church is now. Yeah, I talk in the Liquid Church book about, you know, jokingly, I say I kind of grew up with the frozen chosen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say that as a term of affection. That's my own family, you know. But uh, what I mean by that is, you know, we were a small, you know, wonderful Bible-based church, very conservative, but also a little bit more insular, not too concerned with, you know, reaching people out on the streets. It was like, we kind of have a holy huddle, the same 125 people. Yeah. And it was like a close knit family. And I think the hope was, well, hopefully, you know, someday those people will find Jesus and then they can come and join us, you know? And uh, I joke about that, you know, it's frozen chosen simply because there wasn't a lot of, um, in terms of our worship style it was a little bit more rigid, you know, not yeah. a lot of emotion, you know, people are not raising their hands, that sort of thing. And then the Lord has a sense of humor because I met my wife, Colleen, who grew up in a Pentecostal storefront church in the Bronx, <laughs> New York. <laughs> yeah. You know, so if I was, you know, you know, frozen chosen, she was happy clappy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had never been exposed to that. I knew a little bit about, you know, charismatic tradition, but I remember going, so we met out at Wheaton College yeah. in Chicago. So we were both undergraduates there, but being from New Jersey and New York, when we went home, I remember visiting her church over, you know, Thanksgiving break and, you know, outcome, you know, the tambourines and it's a, you know, we follow, you know, like, you know, we're singing this hymn, the first, third, fifth verses, and it's over in four minutes and then yeah. three points, everything, you know, was very, very linear. And here it was like the service went on for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> the message was it. It was interesting, but not necessarily homiletically following a prescribed order. Yeah. I'm sitting there, you know, being a Pharisee, like, oh, this is, you know, just emotionalism. And then he gave an altar call. And when you know it, this flood of people come down the aisle and they were people who had walked in off the street mm. and to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And I was like, what? I'd never seen that before. I, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? Thank God these people are giving their lives to Christ. Let's have a spontaneous baptism service. And I, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, right now? <laughs> recording my watch, we should be at lunch, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it was thrilling. And the next thing I know, we're taking home a couple of the people back to my wife's mom's house for lunch because, they, hey, they're new family. And Kelly, it was thrilling. It was intoxicating because yeah. it felt like 
is the book of Acts. Yes. Come alive. Yes. And so it really connected from my head to my heart because I was like, we're not just reading about events once upon a time in the New Testament. This can happen today. The Holy Spirit is still active and working, and we should have an expectancy that he's going to break in. Yeah. So to kind of go back to your question, like how how has liquid kind of combined the best of both worlds? You know, I like to think that on our, our best days, people come here and they're going to get a real robust theology and understand the Bible. And we're going to talk, you know, very clearly about the gospel because the message is unchanging, right? Yes. It's never changed. But at the same times, although the message never changes, our methods need to change. Yes. We need to be open-handed about the wineskins that this new wine needs to get poured through. And like we kind of sometimes say, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people far from Christ. Yeah. And so, you know, my wife, I've just, it's, I've learned so much from her. I, I often, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit, it's like my wife is my greatest sanctifying agent, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's amazing how God's voice and, and our wise voice sounds so slim, similar. It's amazing. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you get it in stereo. Yeah. But she really, you know, helped me and introduced me to this expectancy that the Holy Spirit is already at work, right? He's at work. Yeah. So it's not like even necessarily, okay, today we're, you know, we're inviting the Holy Spirit. Yes, but he's already been here and he's been tilling the soil of people's hearts. And we should expect on any given Sunday that there are going to be souls who are going to cross from death to life. Yes. We're going to join the family of God. And that should happen regularly on Sundays. So, you know, for us at Liquid, although we're, so we're non-denominational yeah. Christian church. Yeah. Um, but I would say, you know, people sometimes say, well, it seems very spirit filled, maybe a little bit like the vineyard, you yeah. know, where, where yeah. you have a, 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 a closed handed uh, theology, but there's an open receptivity to the Holy spirit. And so for us, our biggest metric of effectiveness is the people who've been baptized here. So we launched the church in 2007. And, you know, just again, by God's grace, this is, a, yeah. you know, yeah. out of those 5,000 people, about 50%, so about 2,400 people have been baptized in Jesus' name for the first time. So we're wow. really seeing true conversion growth. That is amazing. I mean, it's that's so good to hear. I mean, your church has been named uh, a number of times now as the, in the list of 100 fastest growing churches in America. So tell us a little bit about about the journey from you know the accidental start to to where you've got seven campuses now and five thousand in attendance. I mean, talk to us about that journey a little bit. Yeah, and it really has. This isn't any uh, false humility. It really has been the Holy Spirit. Like there's no other way to describe it. Uh, you know, I, I was an English major undergrad, and although Wheaton College is an evangelical institution, you have to take core Bible theology. Honestly, I did it. You know unwillingly i was like what am i ever going to use that for you know <laughs> and uh and so i'm so grateful you know but when i came back to new jersey i started teaching high school english and that's when i realized oh they, there's a, such a thing as kind of a teaching gift and i enjoyed teaching but i was teaching high school seniors about you know shakespeare and so you know you tried teaching you know fifth year 18 year olds you know about you know hamlet good luck with that so i I started realizing I got to put this in a language they can understand yeah. and started using more and more visual teaching, uh, movie clips, you know, YouTube, um, you know, social media was just getting to going to create really engagement, a dynamic kind of teaching style. And if you think about it, what's funny is that it's almost like that is the exact way that God had handpicked to prepare me for my ministry today. Because so when you're teaching, you know, the book of Romans <laughs> yeah. to, you know, uh, biblically illiterate, let's be honest, 
29-year-olds. You're taking the ancient text, just like Shakespeare, it seems impenetrable. And you got to connect this in a modern way to their hearts and minds so that the gospel comes through. And so God kind of used that those years in the classroom to prepare me for my ministry. And so just to fast forward it, um, you know, my wife and I started um, teaching a Sunday school class at a 150 year old Baptist church. Yeah. Didn't have a lot of 20 somethings. They said, would you teach? You guys are young. We're like, are there other 20 somethings? You're like, yeah, eight of them. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's how the church started. You know, two of us and two people, 12 people folding chairs. Stale coffee, Baptist church basement. Yeah. Um, But really, we are indebted to them. Um, The senior pastor there, who is a spiritual father to me, Peter Pendell, he's on our board to this day since retired from ministry. But, you know, he he saw something in us that there was a passion uh, to move beyond kind of the fill in the blanks Bible study approach and say, man, how can we make the gospel come alive, you know, for new generation? And so, they kept giving us permission. We actually moved out of the basement when we outgrew it uh, to a local tavern about a mile down the road, if you can imagine. Wow. Uh, that's not why we called it Lick. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like, oh, I see that. <laughs> Just Bible, no beer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was funny because that was the inflection point that we had this, what I call in a wonderful way, the dark night of the soul, where we realized. We were just attracting other Christians. Mm. Hey, they got 20 somethings at that church. We should, you know, because there's such mm. a dearth of that here in the East. And we said, but would we invite our non-Christian coworkers? How about the, you know, hell dip pagans from your gym, you know, who, who they're out drinking last night. We realized there ain't no way they come into this. And so being at that neutral site, people are like, what is this? Is this church? And we're like, no, it's, it's liquid. It's a Sunday school class. We're like, not really. They're like an outreach, like it's liquid. Come and see. Kind of Jesus' great yeah, invitation. Yeah. And that's really where liquid began kind of birthed, I think, as a church within a church, because they began being their non-Christian friends and coworkers. And uh, that group of people eventually became the nucleus of us launching out the church independently on 2007. Uh, in a hotel ballroom. And so we were portable church for 10 years. Wow. Uh, it's yeah. only recently that we've actually moved into some buildings. So out of our seven campuses, three of them are permanent, four are portable. And, uh, you know, but again, we are a church that exists to win people who are far from God. Yeah. This isn't the insiders club. We're all about those who don't understand the gospel of grace. Yes. There's a lot of here in the Northeast, a lot of post-Christian people, in other words, maybe they grew up Catholic, yep. so they understand in the basics of who Jesus is, what the Bible claims, but it's a religion of works, of works righteousness. And so we're like, man, we share their scandal of grace. There's nothing you can do you know, to make God love you more than he already yeah, has and so done good. through Jesus. It's so liberating for people. So, so that's good. our great joy. Man, I, I love that. I mean, the foundation of the church is based on being a soul-winning church. I love that so much. That's the foundation of why I got into ministry myself, actually, was to to grow soul-winning churches because I was dissatisfied with these insider clubs. So, man, I love that. And I have to say, that that reflects really, I think that's why I connected so well with your book. Um, I told my wife after I read it, I was like, I think this might be the best you know church growth strategy book I've read since Purpose Driven Church. I mean, I, I recommend every pastor read it. Um, and, and so talk to us about the book and, and what drove you to, to write it. Wow. Thanks, Kelly. That's, that's high praise. I don't know if we can, uh, you know, uh, put it in purpose-driven territory, but we do hope it's helpful. I, I wanted to more than anything share 
uh, many of the mistakes we've made. You know, there's some absolutely transferable principles that work in any church of any size, doesn't matter denomination or, you know, North America, Canada, U.S. But we felt like, I think uniquely, the Holy Spirit's doing something right now in our generation. And the churches that you really are seeing being the soul winning churches that are having the kind of the significant conversion growth, they're really harnessing uh, six trends, what we call currents. Uh, That's kind of subtitle the book, right? Liquid church, six powerful currents to saturate your city for Christ. Yeah. So vision of our church is to saturate our state um, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we say saturate, we simply mean bringing the living water, right? To people who haven't heard or tasted. Um, for us, what we did is I teamed up with um, Dr. Warren Bird, yes. uh, who is a church researcher, um, just a gift to the global church. Yes, he is. And he put together some uh, amazing statistics that we're just finding. It's almost like the Holy Spirit's kind of putting his hand of favor on and fanning the flames. Um, and they include everything from um, really front-loading as an evangelism strategy, compassionate cause. You know, when I grew up, uh, for instance, evangelism was, well, you go out and you hand out tracts or, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of <laughs> scripted conversation. But with millennials and Gen Z, the misnomer is, well, they're not open to that. No, 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 no. They're not open when there's no bridge of relationship. But if you actually show them the difference the gospel makes in terms of serving the poor, Yes. Champion uh, special needs children, bringing you know clean drinking water to the poorest of the poor in Rwanda, recovering yes. from genocide. They're like, why do you do that? We're like, it's not just a good thing; it's a God thing. In fact, yeah. it's a Jesus thing. Yeah. He said, a cup of cold water. Do you want to go on a missions trip? We find millennials are craving the desire to harness their life to a bigger cause, and the gospel, of course, is that. But the difference is. Today's generation wants to belong before they believe. Yeah, that's uh, you know, so true. I grew up, it was, you believe, you make a declaration of faith, and now you can belong, join the church, and begin the discipleship. But, you know, I, I joke sometimes, I, I said to Rick Warren, I said, you know, it's almost like people want to dive headfirst into third base. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. They don't want to go to one, two, one, three. They want to go right to third base and say, all right, put me in the game. I'm not sure if I even believe this yet, but I'm open to serving and feeding the homeless. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Are you finding that in Canada? Yeah, absolutely. We're finding the exact same thing. And that's what I think I found I connected so well with your book on is you put language to a lot of the things that we've discussed as a staff, a lot of things that I've been meditating my you know on myself as a pastor and as a leader. Uh I really, I really felt like you put language to it and and made it simple. And what you know our listeners might understand, those six streams you put into the acronym uh of of liquid, which which I thought was was brilliant as well. Uh, and so let's start, let's walk through the acronym a little bit, because there's these these little streams and walk through it. We don't want to give away the whole book, but let's talk through um, uh, the acronym of LIQUID, which the L stands for Love the Overlooked, which is what you're talking about, about the passion to love the overlooked. And, and why, uh, why do you think it's so important for the local church to be active in this way, you know, in our communities? So... Not a lot of people know this, but New Jersey has the highest rate of autism in the United States. Really? And so, yeah. So I think there's uniquely that the Lord positions your church and there's typically a local need there that is unique as your spiritual DNA and your thumbprint. For us, that was special needs. It was never part of our strategic plan. It is one of those Holy Spirit inspired ministry currents that we've just seen God grow by 400%. Like it's nuts. Um, New Jersey has all these families who are actually moved. 
Many people are moving out because of the high cost of living. Others are moving in because of the very robust education and social services that are offered. Interesting. And so we have so many families who have a child who might be along the, the autistic uh, spectrum or Asperger's or ADHD or Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. And so we just started giving no, no strings attached, like just loving on the community. And what we found is, man, there was such a hunger there that most churches have. They want to help, but they don't have the manpower, the muscle, because, you know, caring for a, a child who has not is nonverbal and, and autistic requires a lot of one on one work. Yes. And here's the cool part, Kelly. It was millennials who raised their hand. Wow. And they said, we want to give ourselves to that cause. And so we just said, you know, loving the overlooked for us is going to be an underserved population of special needs families. And we are going to roll out the red carpet. We're going to give so them good. the VIP treat every single Sunday. And so um, families who come to our church, we pair their child with a buddy one-on-one who will travel with them often from the elementary grades all the way through high school. Amazing. Working one-on-one and learning to speak their language because they have a spiritual capacity. Yeah. And what we realize is this isn't like, you know, mercy ministry, niche ministry over here. 68% of Jesus's miracles were for people who had special needs. Yeah. I, I, well, you right? said that in the book, man. I, I, that was, that really jumped out at me because never thought about that before, but that, that was a powerful, powerful point. 67% of Jesus's ministry was to the special needs of his day. And you think about it and I was like, yeah, <laughs> like it's everywhere. Yeah. So, and we've seen, I mean, some miracles, like, I mean, real remarkable things, you know, in the Liquid Church book, I tell about that young man named Grady. Mm. His family drives about an hour and 15 minutes to our broadcast campus. And hey, I'm a big fan of our church, but man, hour 15 drive, yeah, yeah. Big, that's, that's on the outer band. Yeah. And they said, you know what? A church alive is worth the drive. And here's the thing. We're a better mom and dad because we sit in service. And so we're getting respite. Special needs parents are desperate for respite. Yes. So we love on them. We will actually do a monthly respite night where they can drop their children off, not just special needs, but their typical siblings. And our church, we babysit them for three or four hours and mom and dad get to go out and have dinner, go shopping, go on a date, go home and take a blessed nap, whatever, you know, whatever's going to fill their tank. And they know their child is not just being babysat. Yeah. They're being taught the word of God, but in a language that connects with their unique learning style. And so that's not something we've advertised, but it's just blown up. It's become the tip of our evangelism sphere, wow. um, particularly with that population, because they're just coming. They're like, do we have to join? Do we have to become, uh, you know, Catholic? What is this church? You know, they don't even know what we are, right? But they want to come because they know our apologetic is love, no strings attached. So, so I think you guys do Night to Shine too, right? We do yes. Night to Shine. Yes, we do. Yep. For young adults with special needs, so powerful, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's one of the favorite nights of the of the year for sure. Uh, absolutely amazing. What I love about uh, this this whole idea, and I saw this all throughout the 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 book, and we'll get to it a little bit later in when we talk about some of the missions work that you do. But the focus, I think that's the thing that that jumped out at me is the focus that that okay, love the overlooked, but the focus of saying okay, we as a church, we see this felt need in our community, and we're tackling that problem. And, and yeah. that's something when you have that level of focus, I think we try to take on too many problems and we're, we're not a really effective at solving any of them. But when you get really focused on that one problem to solve in our community, I mean, yeah, yeah. the millennials will line up and saying, 
we're in. We 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 want a problem to solve. We want a purpose like that. And I I love that about about that focus. All right, let's let's, let's go to yeah. Go ahead. Just to piggyback on that, you know, that is what one of the other currents you just kind of touched on there. The cue, right? Quench yes. their thirst. So love the overlooked. It's kind of our local expression here in the community, special needs. But cue, quench their thirst, is really about a compassionate cause for us. That's bringing clean drinking water to those you know families in East Africa and Central yeah. America. And the interesting thing about that is what you just said is what we're seeing in the fast growing churches who are having true evangelistic impact is that they're narrowing their focus to say, what's our one signature cause, which is a 180 from how I grew up. Right. Um, I grew up in a great, you know, church that had a huge emphasis on missions, but it was almost like we had a menu of missions, you know, so um, you, you know, it's like, okay, we're doing human trafficking. We're doing malaria nets, you know, in, in uh, Malawi. Uh, we're doing the uh, Appalachian rebuild. We're doing Habitat for Humanity. And it literally was, the only way I describe it is like my wife likes to go once in a while to this restaurant called the Cheesecake Factory. Yes, so and, good. Uh, have you ever been? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you know, great food. But the menu, you open it up, it's like there are... And I think we sometimes make that mistake where we think being missional means doing more. But what we're finding is in this culture where, man, people have compassion fatigue. Yes. They're being asked all the time to care about all these different causes. The power of laser focusing on one, oh, man, it's the difference between a bed of nails, which you could go to sleep on, yeah, and a single nail, which, of course, punctures right through. Yes. So for us, that's clean water. But what we're seeing is a lot of churches where they say, man, we are all about human trafficking here in Portland. That is everything we're giving our missional muscle to. It resonates deeply, and it's actually a front door for the church. Yes, I, I would agree. And I think I've actually been taught by pastors and, and taught in Bible school to diversify and to have that big menu. And you read a lot of churches, you know, bulletins. It looks, re reads like a cheesecake factory menu where it takes, you know, it takes, uh, you know, you need to come half hour to church so you can just through, get through the bulletin. But, but uh, I, I, and we've been taught multiply, you know, look at multiple different causes. And the reason the, you know, the purpose behind all that is, is people are, you know, you can get everybody in the church involved now because something is going to strike their fancy and you're, they're going to be passionate about one yeah. thing. And so, you know, try to yeah. reach broadly, but that doesn't work. And that I think that's what really stood out to me in throughout the book as well. And I underlined like crazy, wrote down, came back and started talking to our, our staff about this is, is even getting more laser focused. And, and yeah. how you put, how you put the, you know, the language to that, I really appreciate. And uh, I think that, I think that really is a huge key for soul winning churches is find that problem, a problem to solve and put all of your energy and focus in that. And you'll find that, man, people will rally behind that more than they will multiple problems to solve. There's lots of problems. There's problems everywhere, but we're not called to solve them all. But if we, if we solve one, wow, what an impact we could make. Yeah, particularly when people see that, because millennials particularly want proof of concept. They're like, you know, what? so tell me, what have you done with this clean water space? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, when we started 2007, you know, we're a classic church plant, you know, enough money to last three months. And we're like, we're going to build a water well. And it was like $5,000. We're like, oh my gosh, it's like half our budget, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but what we've done is every year, right? A little bit more, we earn the right to do it again, again and again. And so I think we're up to like 280 wells. So 
At wow. this point, it's like 100,000 people have clean drinking water in Jesus' name wow. because of kind of a long obedience in the same direction. And so, yeah, there's been years where, where people come and they have great ideas and there's amazing organizations out there. But we're like, what is the unique mission that God has called us to make a surgical incision in and go deep in? And when that happens, people see that and they're like, man, they're not just talking about changing the world. You're literally doing it. Yeah, it's so good. And that, that leads into, uh, we're not going to get through all of the book. Uh, don't want to do that as well, because we want to encourage people, listeners to get this book. It's, it's a must. Uh, but the, the second I in the acronym of liquid, it stands for inspiring generosity. So, I mean, talk to us about this. I love that because you take it on because there's a, always this tension, seeming tension in soul winning churches that we grow faster numerically than we typically grow financially because we get people coming in. They, they don't know, you know, they're not coming from church backgrounds. They haven't been, you know, raised in, you know, what the tithe is and giving financially and going through all of that. So. Talk to us about, you know, inspiring gener uh, generosity in a soul winning church. And because you have some incredible ideas and creativity with generosity and you take this on very aggressively and, and see this as a real big key to being being effective as, as a church and soul winning. Yeah. You know, the books I've learned the most from always have super practical tools. Like yeah. I can take this tomorrow, implement this in our context, a little bit different, customize it. So the chapter on generosity, I, what's important is the subtitle, right? Guilt-free giving. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, you know, again, and, and, and bless them, you know, my, my, you know, birth church, you know, had the classic like thermometer on the stage and we're yeah. raising money <laughs> for the parking lot being paved and, you know, come on guys, we can do this. And it was a little bit more of that duty, uh, guilt. This is, you know, of course, tithing and we teach tithing. We don't shy away from it. But I had an overcorrective, Kelly, when we launched Liquid, because I had seen it so many times in other churches, just abused or just poorly presented using guilt manipulation. I just said, you know, I'm not going to say anything. Mm. But of course, every preacher knows, right? Silence is never corrective to an abuse. Yeah, it's true. And so I had to go back in the scriptures and really look and wrestle with like, how is generosity presented by Jesus? You know, his admonitions about, you know, wealth. And he talked about, he was never silent. Of course, he was talked about all the time. Um, but when you see it in the New Testament, you realize like, man, there was this joy behind it. There was this like, you know, not just God loves a cheerful giver, but like this should be thrilling. We get to use, God lets us keep 90%. First off, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah exactly. God, that's incredible. Isn't it funny? Like you grow up in the church, you're like, God wants 10%. New Christians, I find, when they, they're like, he's letting me keep 90%. They can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But the difference is, so our approach is that we are extremely transparent and aggressive with how we tell people the difference their generosity is making. Yes. So for instance, this past fall, um, you know, here in New Jersey, there's this, this interesting thing, and it, it seems to be a national trend in the States, um, this thing about school lunch debt. Yeah. I don't know if you have that in Canada, but some of our lower income families, um, if they qualify, they don't have enough money to send their kids to school to get free lunch. Okay. So some of them may get free lunch, but they maybe they make $20,000 a year. And so their kids can't get, a, they get a reduced lunch, but they still can't pay. Yeah. For kids. Well, what's happening here is we start seeing reports. Well, there are these mounting debts for these kids who are going to school. And so what the schools are doing is lunch shaming. 
Wow. Because your parents are poor, you can't afford lunch. You don't get uh, lasagna with everybody else. You get white bread and sunflower butter, and you have to sit at the reduced lunch table. No way. There until your parents pay their debt, you don't get to play sports. So you have to sit out the basketball game. In fact, we read about one district where they actually don't let the kids go to prom if they can't afford school lunch and haven't paid their debt. My goodness. So everybody realizes this is this is crazy. This is a justice issue. You don't even have to be, you know, <laughs> Jesus, of course, you know, feed the poor, but it's like you don't even have to follow Jesus. This is a no-brainer. Yeah. And so and guess what, guys? Um, if you're a Christian, obviously feeding the poor and loving on them and caring for people. Jesus paid our debt of sin. These folks are carrying this debt, shouldn't be. But if you're a non-believer, you just need to know when we give, this is the kind of stuff we're doing. So we did a reverse offering. We said, everything you give today, we're giving away 100%. Yeah. We're not giving away 10, we're giving away everything. Well, you'll be shocked to know. Record generosity. Like people, (laughs) they're going online, they're like, I want to give, but I want to, I want to get a matching gift from my, my, you know, uh, company, et cetera. Can I give that on Monday? The bottom line is Kelly in the seven different cities that we liquid church has a campus. We wiped out and paid off the school lunch debt for 4,000 families. Wow. Now again, it was a gamble. That's a gamble, right? Like I just want to acknowledge that as a church leader. And I've been in that moment when it's like, oh man, that's so exciting. But bro, we like have payroll or you know whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, we're hand to mouth as a as a church. Guess what? When you model generosity, it releases generosity. Yes, I, I, we've just seen it time and again. When people see that you're prioritizing the poor outside the church walls. Yes, I'm not talking about capital campaigns. You know, paving the parking lot, all that stuff. When you are open handed and show this is the this is the village of Gasharu, Rwanda that you're giving just gave their brand new wealth. Take a look at this video. Here are some of the families, 4,000 families who paid off school lunch debt. Here's what we're doing for special needs families. People want to give to that. It's a joy to give. So good. And so we packed that chapter on generosity with, again, over, I think, two dozen different examples of how-to outreaches, small steps you can take because you don't have to do everything all at once, but to really unleash that Happen to that current of generosity. That's so good. That reminds me of a, a, an amazing quote in the book. Uh, one of my big takeaways in that is, is Pastor Jonathan of Passion Church. Uh, you quoted him and he said this, that churches that focus only on spiritual needs tend to reach hundreds of people, but churches that meet physical needs like you're talking about uh, first reach thousands. Man, that is Isn't that fascinating. That's amazing. We were just talking about this. So, so Jonathan Brozazog, he leads a phenomenal church in the Twin Cities, Passion Church. Yeah, go and Vikings. Yep. Just great. And you know, <laughs> so in the book, it's not just about Liquid Church. Yeah. Um, we name about 36 other fast-growing evangelistic churches. So good. And just really want to highlight, like, man, there's so many unique expressions of this. And then help people who are reading the book, like, find out, like, hey, what is yours? But he made that fascinating point about it. And I noticed, you know, he was the guy, so he was a guy who first told me about paying off school lunch debt in the Twin Cities. Wow. And when we we met and he was telling me about this, I was like, what a brilliant idea, man. Well, next thing I know, I see a CNN report about that in New Jersey. And so, again, we kind of tapped into that. And I guess it basically goes back to the Gospels. You realize Jesus, greatest evangelist of all time. Yeah. 
what does he do? It's a twin barrel approach to evangelism. Yes. It's demonstration and proclamation. Yes. I'm going to yes. demonstrate the kingdom. I'm going to multiply loaves and I'm going to feed your belly. Yeah. I'm going to touch yeah. your body. I'm going to heal the sick. And now let me proclaim to you what has just happened. Your sins are forgiven. You've encountered the Messiah. So that kind of that twin barrel of proclamation and demonstration, I think that's what's often missing. A lot of times churches, I think today, are still shooting that one, they got kind of one bullet in the chamber, and it's proclamation evangelism. People show up and, you know, we're going to, you know, preach the gospel, and I'm all for it. I'm a preacher. We preach, proclaim the gospel. But I find that in a post-Christian world that's very cynical, it's no strings attached, yeah. generosity, yeah. care for the poor, the least of these that tills the soil of the heart so the word of God can get planted there. That's so good. I mean, not only is that engaging people with evangelism, engaging the community, but that you are also talking in the book about how that, that develops uh, volunteers and gets people, millennials volunteering like crazy, uh, where people are buying into a purpose and, and a passion saying, hey, I'm not just hearing, I'm not just listening about my Christian faith. I'm acting out my Christian faith and want to be involved in that. So. I mean, talk about that developing that volunteer culture, that strong leadership culture and tapping into the, you know, the untapped talent in the church. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the, the final chapter, um, D, develop untapped talent. What we did, like most churches, you hit a ceiling. Yeah. Um, you know, we owe no church ever. I've never met a church leader who said, you know what? We got enough volunteers. I think we're good. <laughs> right? You always need more, more volunteers, so more muscle. But we were looking at it a little bit too much in a transactional way. Oh, we need three new leaders, you know, to help with the middle school boys or whatever it is. And we weren't saying, you know what, we've got actually the most incredible resource of untapped talent already warehoused in the pews, yeah. but we're not developing it. And so I'll tell you, this was one of those, you know, I've had several executive pastors say, bro, that's, that's, that's the takeaway for me. So of our staff, we now... A full 30%, one of every three liquid staff now, are what we call volunteer staff. And what they are, are high-capacity marketplace professionals. So they make their living in New York City. They might be a lawyer. They might be a graphic designer. They may be a headhunter. You name it. But they said, you know what? I work 60, 80 hours in the city. But I come alive because I give 15 hours. I tithe my time to the church. Wow. And they're giving wow. us high capacity leadership horsepower. So I don't just mean, you know, handing out programs, although that's very important. I don't want to denigrate any role. You know, we have dream teams from the parking lot to kids ministry, all that vital. But these are leaders who've served in that and said, you know what? I actually have more, but I want to go to seminary and leave my job. I'm called to the marketplace. But man, I have a little bit of energy around marriage mentoring. And so we actually have a track, and we talk about this in the, in the Liquid Church book, of how to develop them from a first-time volunteer handing out programs all the way up to an associate pastor role. So good. So wow. Elizabeth Chang, she's a great example of that. She's a, a corporate attorney in New York, but she has incredible um, pastoral gifts in prayer and counseling, spiritual care. And we began training her, and it went from praying after services to now on the weekends She's actually performing weddings, doing funerals, hospital visits, and she loves it. So good. She's like, I'm living as a lawyer, but this is why I live. I wow. do ministry. And I mean, where else can you get that? Can you imagine that? Like, 
just speaking the pastor and the church leaders, like, can you imagine if you had next week 500 hours of additional high capacity leadership horsepower and it was free? Yeah. That <laughs> sitting in your church today. All the pastors heard angels sing right there. That way. <laughs> Man, that's so good. Man, this this book again for every pastor, every leader, I r- highly recommend every every pastor, every leader. If you want to win souls, if you want to uh, you know talk have great great discussion with your teams about uh, what to focus on as a church, I mean, you got to get Liquid Church. Uh, great great book. This has been so good. Thank you so much, Tim, for your time. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should have? Anything I I should have asked? No, I, except that I, we have a free resource I'd love to offer to, you know, the GoCast um, community. Um, we have a, uh, we put together a resource at the, the book website. So it's liquidchurchbook.com. Yes. And this is just our gift because we just realized like, man, hey, there's other pastors and church leaders and we've been at every level and growth barrier. But I was like, man, beg, borrow, steal. And so we just have a heart kingdom wise to say like, hey, how can we help other churches? It's called, it's an ebook. It's a free ebook just for download uh, for your audience. It's called Seven Sermon Series Guaranteed to Grow Your Church. Awesome. And I know that sounds like, a, oh, that's a quite a, you know, quite a promise. But what it is, it's really putting skin on even some of the ministry currents in the Liquid Church book. But then like, hey, how could you actually cast vision for this in a super practical way? Because as we know, right, so goes the pulpit, so goes the church. Yeah. And these are just seven sermon series that we've seen other churches um, use from us, but adapt to make unique to their context. And we say, hey, it's our joy to give them away. Graphics, videos, whatever. Wipe off the name Liquid, put yours on it, and make it even better and just pass it on to the next guy. So if that's something people are interested in, they could go to liquidchurchbook.com and, uh, and find out more there. That's so good. Man, thank you for that. And thank you for our time today. Where can our listeners connect with you online? I'm sure pastors want to learn more and follow you and, and learn sure. more about Liquid Church or where can they connect with you online? So I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Pastor Tim Lucas, L-U-C-A-S. And, um, you know, I have to be because I got two screenagers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the, in the house. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, in the book, I talk about how we're really preaching now to a TGIF culture, so, right? Yeah, it's Twitter. True. Google, Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, preaching has to change. It it has to be more of a two-way dialogue than a one-way monologue. So if people want to reach out to me, uh, you can follow at Pastor Tim Lucas, DM me. I'd love to to talk shop. I always love connecting with other like-minded church leaders. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. This has been awesome. Uh, Man, bless you and all that you're doing. Thank you for the book. Thank you for sharing everything that you've uh, experienced and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that, you, I mean, you didn't hold anything back. That's what I love, I think, so much uh, about the book as well is that how authentic it was. But again, thank you for your time today. This has been awesome. What an amazing conversation with Pastor Tim Lucas. Wow. So much good stuff yeah. in there. Man, I, I, I got to go back and go through that Re-listen. again. So, yeah, so good. What, what stood out to you? What was your takeaway? Uh, man, he talks about so much, but when he hit on millennials and Gen Z and them not wanting to, um, not wanting to participate until, uh, if there's no relationship right. there, so you can't just give them a cause and without the relationship tie. And he said, no, uh, this generation wants to belong before they believe. So good. And that, that's so key. Even, even when we can't, you know, gather in, in churches, it really is about the connection. Totally. And, 
Uh, this I don't, one of the things that we've looked at differently as a church is is really emphasizing connection because yeah. we can't we took for granted maybe that everyone we assumed everyone connected on a Sunday right but really trying to really hone into getting people to connect before they believe meeting needs and giving them a cause I, I, you know I love that giving them a cause and something to champion something to go after mm-hmm. and so so much good rich stuff in that we hope you enjoyed that. Tim, this is this is actually the wrap up of season one of, of GoCast. We we started off with the vision of wanting to get the church outside of uh, the four walls, of yeah. wanting to get go into all the world. That's why it's called GoCast. We never anticipated when we started this season that the walls would be We'd torn be down. No, 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 <laughs> and that all the church would be out like never before. Yeah. So there's so many good stories, amazing stories of souls being reached, lives being changed. It really is. Uh, 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 amazing to see, exciting to see mm-hmm. in many ways. There's lots of challenges, of course, but exciting to see what's going on. We can't wait for season two. We know that season two is going to be a little bit different, and but we are still focused on the mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel like never before. And we want to see more souls than ever, and we want to see the church at a whole nother level. We're praying for your success. We encourage you to engage with us on social media We'd love to hear from you. We've got blogs regularly that are on there. Comment on those. Engage with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And we are championing you and the local church. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.